0: Following is a repeat show that was previously broadcast on Unity FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Parenting Hour. You're tuned in to Unity FM 93.5 and 105.1. My name is Kathleen, and we are continuing a very interesting show with Rachel and Alison, uh, both here from different covering maternity hospitals all over Birmingham, really, what they're doing in all the areas. And... Uh, giving us a live update on the challenges, on the changes, on what they have put into place during this pandemic and what it is, is would be for, for you as parents differently. Um, if you're pregnant and if you're going to deliver. So we were just kind of talking around that before we went into break about the antenatal appointments of what's happening now and what changes are happening there. So sorry, Alison, I had to cut you off there just going into commercial break. Uh, you were saying if you would like to continue
1: yes yeah, so thank you kathleen and um, i was just saying obviously as rachel alluded to earlier that we had there were a number of gp surgeries that had to close very quickly so we had to work very very closely with our commission, local commissioners to find places to host um, our community clinics. Um, and what they did was develop what they call purple sites, but essentially um, a number of GPs going into one site. Um, so I will apologise in advance because that happened very quickly. If if some women um, using our service didn't get that communication as quickly as we'd like it to, but obviously, as I say, things did change overnight. But we also worked very quickly. We developed, um, particularly at Heartland site, we utilised one of our closed um closed outdoor buildings as an antenatal and a postnatal clinic. Um, and we also have considered other avenues since um, because obviously that made it very local to some of our local, you know, our, our, Uh, particularly high-risk communities so um, essentially that's where it is now certainly across the UHB footprint Um, and we are we are waiting um, for regional news around whether GP surgeries will be reopening or if we can move to different sites moving forward Um, but we will Every, every step that we take we will communicate that out via all the different methods of communication we've got now and also via our community midwives But just to provide some assurance to everyone or some reassurance um, that no antenatal clinics are being cancelled. If they're they're needed, we will absolutely see you. So all the changes that we've made have not impacted on being able to deliver a safe service.
0: That's really good to know, indeed, that we're safety first seems to be the the motto as we're going forward. So we've had some changes in the community. What about the hospital? Have we had which changes happening in the different hospitals? Yeah so I think that the biggest thing we you'll see now
2: if you walk into our our hospital is you will met at the door by somebody who is asking you to if you haven't already come with a face covering um, then we are we are providing one but ideally what we'd like is all of our, our women and families who, who are engaging with our care in the hospital to attend with a face covering um, we then signpost you through to one of our hand wash stations and um, somebody will advise you how to wash your hands if you're not aware and I know that might sound like a very simple thing but it's really important that it's not um, a splash of water it's actually a proper hand wash because that is our biggest defence. against COVID. So you'll then see some signage which tells you how to travel and how to move around the building um, and we use uh, certainly the women's we're using a one-way system so it means that you have the maximum amount of distance between you and another person who you may pass um, and then we ask you to go directly to your appointment um, because of the size of our building and because of the national guidance with social distancing measures which are maximum you know at the moment the optimal way is to have two meters distance between people or one meters with any any dividing space we are still um, asking that women attend most of these appointments alone alone and accompanied which is really hard for us because we try as a as a service very much to encourage full family support and care Um, but at the moment that is the way that the the national guidance steers us so that is what we're still following and as soon as that should change we'll be able to communicate differently Um, and then after your appointment you'll follow your the the route back out to the the main entrance Um, certainly when you have your baby when you come into the service um, we then welcome the partner the birthing partner to be with the woman in labour because obviously That's something that's an absolute essential. And all the staff that you encounter will be wearing face masks. um, And then in certain other areas, you'll see them with gloves, maybe a visor or goggles and glasses um, and and aprons. And then um, upon the ward as well, you'll be supported by the midwives, the support workers. Um, We've got nursing staff and we've also got um, the doctors that will visit you. So I think essentially you'll still get um, the information that you need, um, but in a way that it's slightly different. What what has been really encouraging is we've been able to receive quite a lot of um, compliments from ladies who understand that things are a little bit different, but what they've welcomed is they've been able to actually talk more openly to the other ladies that they're maybe in a bay with. So although they've got their curtains, they're, they're opening a little bit more so and they're actually communicating within the bays where there aren't as many visitors or there aren't any visitors coming through. So they're quite enjoying the support they're giving each other um, and it's really lovely because it, it's almost like... Um, Back 20 years where we've actually got ladies who are wanting to talk to each other about their babies and forming and forging those relationships with each other and probably life-lasting friendships so we are seeing some some real
0: bonuses of the way we're working but it is slightly different to what you may have experienced previously. You, you had me smiling there because before you even said 20 years it reminded me of my midwifery days because that's what it was like when I was a midwife we actually only had visiting hours and we had hours I, I trained in Ireland in National Maternity Hospital and we had um, hours in the daytime that was totally rest that there was no visitors allowed that babies we'd take the babies to the nursery and mums were encouraged to sleep and rest for the, those two hours of the day every day which um, doesn't happen now, I think, but I think it's something that women do need. They need to give their bodies time to recover and have that rest, indeed. But we have a guest over the phone, and I need to go to this caller who's been waiting a few minutes now. So, uh, caller, uh, assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. As-salamu As-salamu it's a bit hard for me to hear you. Uh, would you like to share your name? Okay, can you hear me now? That's better, that's much better, thank you. Right, my name's Amanda. Um, I'm from uh, Maternity Engagement Action. Well, hello, Amanda. Welcome to this <laughs> Parenting Hour.
3: Great. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to say was, um, obviously, the work has been, you know, incredibly difficult during this unprecedented time. So, you know, we do have to thank um, our maternity services staff and the heads of midwifery and all the teams that have been working to support women during this time. I have been gathering some uh, birth experiences from local women um, who have been birthing or who have birthed in the past couple of years and during C19. So I'm getting a mixture of stories and experiences. Some make you want to weep. Some have been incredibly empowering. um, And some have been, you know, on the verge of quite dangerous. Um, But what I wanted to know um, from both... um, um, rachel and Alison is since lockdown and um, with all the changes that happened in maternity services what sort of indirect covid19 consequences has there been to maternal and fetal health um and how, how are these being recorded for lessons learned you know going forward i mean i heard you talk a little bit about if this happens again what would we do differently but i just want to know if if it's if it's if they're able to share, have there been any indirect consequences to the health and well-being of mothers and newborn babies?
2: That's a, a really interesting question. Thank you for your, your positive comments as well. You know, obviously the staff have worked incredibly hard and it's it's really heartening when we hear that we get things right and disheartening when we hear we, that we don't because that's never intended. Um, I think one of the big things for, for us here has been the rumour. So what we've been, what's what has kept me awake at night perhaps has been more so the impact of the rumour mill. So where um, a story of somebody's birth that maybe may be escalated and not entirely in, in line with what actually happened, then is shared and, and it, it kind of grows a little bit and it grows again and it grows again. And that then is quite dangerous because a poor experience for one woman then becomes a nightmare for another. And my anxiety is for each story that, that may be told in a different way how many women then don't access and, and, and try to seek care where they should. So what is the unintended consequence then of somebody sharing a, an experience that then impacts how another woman may then not access care? For example, we, we do talk a lot about reduced vehicle movements. And I think what I would hate to hear or see ever is that a woman didn't come to the hospital because she's she's had a fear that's been imposed upon her. Um, and the consequence of that could be something that, that is going to affect her for, for her life. So... Um, I think the biggest thing is making sure that we hear our women. So we do have our Maternity Voices Partnership. Um, So we look and we seek for those women to um, access us through that route. Um, And I think another consequence, going back to talking about how our visiting is on the wards now, um, Alice and I have both spoken at length about the impact of women not having their loved ones closest to them. But we've actually seen um, something we weren't expecting. So an unintended consequence of that is our breastfeeding rates have increased. Um, so we've seen women who are openly breastfeeding and talking to other women and enjoying breastfeeding um, by choice. And it's, it means that we're having more women going home breastfeeding than we do when we have wards with visitors um, at times. So we, we think we've got it wrong in the past, or we, we thought we were doing the right thing by opening up our visiting, We're actually what we need to do is ask women now, with their recent experiences, what do you want and how do you want us to get what our new normal will be um so that we fully engage with them and, and listen and do what is right for them as opposed to what we believe is right for everybody Alison.
1: yeah I'd, I'd just like to add amanda it'd be re- we're trying to reach out um to as many aven- avenues we can to get feedback from our women around their experience both positive and negative and as i said we have noticed um a lot of positive feedback. But if you've said you've had some negative and um, some that wants to make you weak, it'd be really useful, if not to share it now, but if you could contact us via Kathleen, because as much evidence as we can will obviously help us, A, if we have to um, step everything up or Mm. change things for phase two, but also in in terms of moving forward for the entire service, you know, our um, experience feedback is, is one of the most important avenues that we can get for improving the service moving forward. Would that be Okay. Yes, I mean
3: the work that I do is about ensuring that those voices come along to um, maternity voices partners, partnerships. I mean, in Sandwell and West Birmingham, we don't have one as yet. So I'm hoping that very soon. Um, I'm doing a lot of prayer for it that we're going to have one that we can come along and share those experiences because it's really very important that if we're going to have transformation in maternity services, that the voices of the women are part of that. Um, and when i say the voices of the women i'm talking about you know specific communities so i'm talking about black women of african descent and south asian women and then of course obviously women from you know eastern europe eastern europe who are who are not really in the service that they deserve and need i mean i've got some stories that you know as i said i would definitely want to share those with you moving mm-hmm. forward um but it's it, it's those stories, it's from those communities that we really need to try and have better engagement um, and better communication, um, better relationship building, I suppose. Um, so thank you for that.
1: Um, thank you. That's really, really interesting. I do um, have... Oh, sorry. So I'm just going to say what we can do is link up. We're doing a piece of work at the moment, linking our MVP up very much with all our women, but also including City and Sanwell in, into that, um, that group. So that piece of work has already started. So if we could engage you in that and, and expand kind of our our route of getting feedback, that would be fantastic. Yeah, we can get that information of, of how we can reach you perhaps
2: through Kathleen. Um, because, as you know, the city is quite far and wide. And although we're coming from two of the units, um, there is a third unit, which is City and Samwell, which sounds like that's the area. And that we also have a need to reach to so as, as a group of heads of midwifery we want to listen and learn because it may be an experience that somebody in a different service can Im- influence and impact somebody in our services as well so it is really important Yeah. I have one more
3: quick question. Is that okay, Sister Captain, or do I have to leave for room for other um, people?
0: Just very month? quickly, because we be have a few callers uh, waiting on the line. So, ah. if you don't, yes, just one quick one That's okay. It
3: won't be, it won't be too long. It's just that you know we have the, the we have the statistics of five times more, um, which affects um, women of uh, Black women of African descent. Bradford has a specialist cultural midwife, and I'm just wondering, will Birmingham dedicate a similar investment? so that we can combat that statistic and, and reduce that five times more for black women?
2: That's quite a topical question, so we, we, we can't answer you directly, but it is something that we are working with our local maternity system. So. Um, you talked about maternity transformation, and, and through that programme of work, it gives us some fantastic opportunity. So far through that work, we've been able to open up for smoking cessation interventions. We've looked at fetal surveillance, um, and certainly with the information that we've now got access to through COVID and before, um, Jackie Dunkley-Bent, our chief midwifery officer, is very much engaged in, in making sure we get the information So it's something that Alison and I were talking about just this morning. So um, very topical question, um, but it is something that we're definitely starting to look at with a view to us perhaps implementing quite soon. So watch this space, I would say. Okay, brilliant.
0: Thank you. Thank you ever so much. Uh, Thank you, Sister Kathleen. Thank Thank you, Amanda, for for ringing in. Thank you. They were very interesting questions indeed, and uh, a lot that we're learning from this uh, process and moving forward. Um, And and again, I'm smiling at the breastfeeding rates going up and uh, the the different changes in uh, to visiting how that has made a difference which gets us to think about as you said uh, what else do we need to think of, uh, about changing in the whole maternity system uh, to make it easier for our parents wow that's that's really good that that you're actually looking at these evidence especially for the BAME community as well and how we can make things better f- for them um I'm not sure if the next caller is ready or not. Uh, I'm just waiting for the studio manager to let me know if the next caller is ready before we go ahead and and ask you some more questions. Haven't had a message in yet. So let us continue um, discussing um, around differences in the hospital first because we we're talking about appointments and difference in the hospital and we'll come back to some of the other issues so if you're giving birth now and I, I know there has been a lot of questions around this about giving birth and bringing somebody in with you and where can somebody come with you when can they come with you a lot of people are, are feeling they're, they're delivering alone or maybe delivering alone and if english is not their first language how can they communicate? So I will continue going with my, my question about hospitals. Uh, what changes has happened over COVID and what's in place now as we're kind of semi coming out of some restrictions? So you, you've asked about birth partners, which I
2: think yes. is a lot of people are asking about. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we absolutely still encourage our women to have a, a named birth partner with them. At the moment, following the national guidance, because of the size, as I said, of our rooms and our waiting areas um, and the the traffic or the traveling of women through the the, the hospital, to make sure we keep them as safe as we possibly can. We are only having birth partners in the labor room. So um, when they come in in labor and we assess them, that's when they have their birth partner. And then when they've had their baby, no matter how that may be, um, hopefully by by normal birth in our birthing center, if not in the labor ward or in the, the theater, Then it's at the point where they're ready to go to the ward, but they say, and and then goes home as the woman goes to the ward. If we do need, if the woman needs things bringing to her as a new mum, then we welcome that to be dropped off at our main entrance, and we have um, some helpers who then take that to the ward, and then we we get them home. But we are seeing that we are managing to get it right for women, um, and it's trying to be compassionate at the same time. Where we've got women who've got specific needs that um, I won't go into in detail but we are making personalized care plans as well so making sure that we do try to listen to those needs and make a specific plan for women and of course we have um, our home births where it's the midwife who is is the visitor who's the guest in the home Um, so we make sure that um, at that point the midwife is, is is equipped in terms of the protective equipment and we prepare women beforehand what to expect when the midwife comes
1: to her home.
0: And have you seen a rise in home births? Just before I go to a caller, there is the, the callers back again. Have you seen a rise in home births over this pandemic? No, we, we actually haven't. So we've got a dedicated home birth team and it's because of the way that team is set
2: up. And, and also all credit to that team. They are so passionate about the service they provide um, that we sustained that, that service. And that's a, a pure credit down to those women and those midwives. Um, and so we've, we've tried to increase the number of home births. Um, And we certainly saw an increase for a small time in the number of women booking home birth. But in terms of the women that already booked for home birth, we didn't really see a difference. Um, But obviously, we're we're very welcoming of that. So any woman that does want a home birth, a little plug really, is is get in touch with either service, because it's definitely a service that we want to see an increase in for those women um, where
0: home is the absolute safest choice for them. Great. Wonderful. We'll go straight to our caller now. Caller, are you there? caller are you
4: there hi there hi hello hello hi there
0: hi. would you like to give us your name
4: yes yeah, okay hello Aram. i've got a couple of questions for your guests kathleen
0: okay
4: hi Alison and rachel can you hear me yeah hi hi, hi. hi. thank you so much for your time and um i'm sure um you know there's some really really great um information that um uh, it's really really useful for um, our parents there. So I'm from Approachable Parenting, and um, we've set up, um, as Kathleen mentioned before, um, WhatsApp groups for parents. And one of them is for expectant mothers. And um, we've just received some, um, and I know you've just been speaking about that, about visitors and having birthing partners. And there's a lot of concerns still around um, um, having your partner around. And I think you were just, uh, one of you, were just speaking about that. Um, so you know, what was the current? Um, if you can just um, repeat that. Just for our, um, for your listeners about um, the having your partner there, are they allowed to have um, a partner throughout the whole of labor? And I also have another question if you're able to answer that as well, um, which is also um, from one of our parents on the WhatsApp group. Um, so this mom, she just wants to know that she normally um, used to enjoy old food, but during this pregnancy she had really bad at the start, um, and also has gestational diabetes and has been put off food, but now she's concerned um, about her weight. She's not sure if she's even gaining any weight. So what would you say to her? Thank you so much.
1: Hi, this is Alison from UHB. Um, Just to echo what Rachel said about um, visiting, we have um, followed national guidance, which is that a birth partner um, can join for the whole of labour. Unfortunately, at the moment, that doesn't include the induction process. But obviously, as soon Mm. as labour starts, then a birth partner will be asked to join. Mm -hmm. The only time that we would um, encourage that not to happen is if a birth partner was symptomatic, as I had the symptoms of COVID. Um, However, we haven't seen hardly any of that. So absolutely, a birth partner is very welcome and very encouraged. And we recognise the importance of that throughout labour. Um, But when um, women have delivered and go up to the ward, then the birth partner will be asked to leave. And the reason for this is, as I've said, we're following national guidance across both organisations, but also this is essentially to ensure that we can maintain social distancing. So, you know, the building, the estates we've had can't be changed, um, obviously very, very quickly, um, but we have to maintain as far as we can that safe social distancing. So, it is constantly under review and it is um, a hot topic both regionally and nationally at the moment. Um, and we will be wait, awaiting um, national evidence to come out to, to suggest that we can change that. Um, in terms of your second question, if anyone is worried about themselves, I would absolutely encourage them to ring the hospital ring the triage on the delivery suite um, or we do have hotline numbers as well which we've put up for COVID but if anyone is worried what we just don't want to see is anyone sat at home worrying without having their questions answered Mm. there are midwives in both organizations they're 24 hours a day that can answer the questions and if necessary we'll encourage women to come into the hospital to get checked out and checked over great can you pass that message on
4: Yes, we will do. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure they were really pleased to know that. I think it's just that, uh, you know, anxiety and kind of just picking that phone up and wanting to ring. But thank you so much. We will pass that information. But um, absolutely, your lines are always, um, open. So if anybody has any concerns that they um, should and must call. Thank you so much. The, for other, that.
1: the other thing is that obviously to contact their community midwife directly as well. So yeah. there's a number of avenues that they could go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, you know, they would feel comfortable with at least one of those that's really, really important. I can't stress that message.
4: Mm, Sure, great. Thank you. Thanks for that.
0: Thank you for your call indeed. You mentioned there about labour starting that uh, somebody would be with you. When would you kind of uh, determine labour starting? Is there um, a a certain... dilatation that you go by or how do you monitor this because people get confused over because when they see pains from the beginning and and we we know that maybe birth might not happen for a couple of days but people feel they're in labor from the very first pain so how do you determine labor starts to to our listeners that are listening in and think that they may be in labor and so I, I think there's, it's very
2: clear that, that labour isn't a complete science. It's something that is very individual to each woman. Um, so if you, if you go by the, the guidance, then there are certain measures that we take. So some of those are on vaginal examination. Sometimes it's, it's talking to the woman, observing how she's coping, her demeanour, how she feels. We also take into consideration any previous births that she may have had or previous experiences. And also her family You know, and what labour has been like with, with her family members as well. So a lot of it is around the the pre-admission sort of education and and that assessment that's a whole assessment of the woman um, and also taking into account of what she wants. In terms of when she has somebody with her, when we say for labour, that means when she's in a room on her own on the labour ward. So at that point where she needs to have a midwife with her for direct one-to-one care, um, and that's where we can then invite in their birth partner. It's not ideal. It's not what we would want. And what we are trying to do is, is make sure that our antenatal education Uh, enables women to stay at home for the period of time where they can be supported so that the time where they're away from their loved ones um, or their birth partner, if it's somebody outside of their immediate family, is for as short a time as possible. So I think if anybody is worried about what that might look or feel like, I would encourage them very strongly to talk to their community midwife um, so that they've got that individual plan ready so they understand exactly what to expect how to cope, um, and you know, to understand why we're doing what we're doing at the moment. Um, so we'll see see as things change if we can get ourselves back to how we were before, which is where we encourage more support within the hospital.
0: Well, I love that positive attitude. As we're coming to the end of the show, you wouldn't believe that uh, the whole hour has gone already. We've in our last minute or so left. Is there any messages that you ke- would like to get out to your listeners? Last thirty seconds, actually, I've been told. <laughs> I think from both of us, we'd absolutely like to say, please don't be scared to come into hospital.
1: We're doing absolutely everything we can to continue our safe, high quality service. So please don't sit at home worrying. Please contact us. If you're worried about reduced fetal movements or anything at all, please contact us and come in and we will check you out and try and reassure you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show this evening. Thank you, Rachel and Alison. We appreciate your time.